Good evening, good evening everyone and welcome to the In The Spotlight radio show. This is your host, uh, Fadina Frampton and I have been um, out of commission for the past um, couple of Mondays and as a result, um, last week Monday we didn't have a program and the Monday before we aired one of the new In The Spotlight TV series that we're doing social we're doing specifically for social media so we actually aired the audio of that I am on the mend but um, I do have this um, this cough that may be challenging me from being on the air for an entire two hours tonight so therefore we'll be doing um, we'll be airing uh, two of the other shortened versions of the program, the In the Spotlight TV, will be airing the audio um, tonight of those programs previously aired on social media. And the first one will feature um, Julian Juju Wade. So you will hear this one first. And then the second one, the second hour will be with Mr. Coleridge Bell, um, known as Mr. Ridge Cross the Bridge. Um, so please do enjoy these two um, interviews tonight. And you will hear me refer to the In The Spotlight TV. Um, these, as I said, are done specifically for social media, um, but because I'm not able to be on tonight, we will broadcast these. I do hope that you enjoy. There are two great stories there. So make some time and enjoy. Um, God willing, next week Monday, we already have our guest in place for next week Monday, and we will be live again for the In the Spotlight radio show. Thank you for your support and thank you for tuning in. radio show TV series and today we have the pleasure of interviewing one of our national footballers who has gone on to greater things and his name is Julian Wade and I felt you know that this young man is in Dominica at this time actually we're very fortunate to have him today because he's actually leaving Ireland by tomorrow um, but I, I thought there are things that we need to know about this young man what he's up to what he's been up to and so we were able to squeeze it in a very tight weekend um, this interview with Julian Witt. So thank you for being with us, Julian, and welcome everyone. Let me just give some acknowledgements here to some sponsors who have agreed to support us in this effort. Bundle, bundle. Yeah. Bundle, bundle. Floor. Bundle, 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 save. Tap up, tap up. Yeah. Tap up, tap up. Mad. Tap up, tap up, tap up, tap up, tap up. Look at the place covered. Look at the place covered. Rose all you want. Rose all you want. 
Win big with flow. iPads, smartphones, vacations, breakfast fed tickets, data, and over $15,000 in cash. Activate a 3, 7, or 30-day prepaid combo plan. Pay up your bill. Switch to flow. Bundle up for your chance to win every day. Bundle now and get a smartphone for free. Switch now. Thanks to the insurance company of the West Indies, protecting the Caribbean for over 50 years. Click, call, or visit for your quote today. Josephine Gabriel and Company Limited, agents for Barefoot Wine, Twapita Water, and Heineken Beer. We forward the freight master, faster and reliable shipping to the islands. Flo Dominica, enjoy six times more speeds, and 50% off mobile when you bundle. Kalaloo House and the Great Old House for the finest dining in Dominica. And Media Links. Media Links is Media Links. before Julian Wade. I think you go by Juju. Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> Juju, thank you so much for agreeing to speak with us today. We know that you were here for the CompuCraft series um, that actually just took place this week. And um, you're actually leaving soon, but I appreciate you making the efforts, you know, to be here and to speak with us. So hello and welcome. Yes, welcome. Um, thank you. And um, thank you for, Danny, for having me. I'm I always follow your show. I hope I can keep up to <laughs> the quality that you have been delivering on your shoes. Um, and obviously, I'm good day to listen to the as well. So thanks for having me. Again. Oh, it is my absolute pleasure. Um, Juju, first of all, where the name Juju came from? Oh, <laughs> the nickname Juju. Oh, yeah. So it was actually, actually, well, from what I remember, I'm actually had that from, um, I don't know if you know Eddie, Eddie Bruni. Somebody in my yard, mm-hmm. and he, 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 um, as far as I remember, he was the first person that I, I remember calling me Juju, yeah? and then something that he stayed, I actually was very young, so I, I haven't got too much, um, history or any, too much information. I just remember him calling me Juju, and I remember because my mother doesn't call me Juju, she, she doesn't, so yeah, I think that's the first person I remember calling me Juju. I, I don't know the origin of it, <laughs> <laughs> I, I assume it's short for. Julian, but... I, I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> the same as well. And so people just call you Juju as a nickname. Yes, and they even talk about you as Juju when they're talking in football circles. Yes, so <laughs> I guess it's something that people have gotten a bit accustomed yes. and um, familiar with. Juju, tell us a little bit about you, your personality. How would someone describe you? 
Okay, that's a good question. Um, I would say Juju is, is what you see. Simple. Um, yes, I think the best word to describe it would be simple. Um, yeah, not too much. Um, I'm not too loud. Um, I'll not be the loudest person in the room. I have my small circle of people that I express myself more around. Um, I, I, I say I'm an introvert, but my wife thinks differently. She always says that I'm an introvert because of the amount of people I interact with. But um, I think that kind of comes with you know, football and, and um, the attention that you get from that. But I think deep down, I'll, I think I'll just say I'm a single person now. And I like what I like. And I can tell as well that you respectful because we, you were running a little late for the program, for the interview um, this morning. And um, in time, you didn't wait last minute to send me um, a note saying that you were running a bit late. You actually messaged about quarter two, which I think is good. You know, I really did appreciate that. And just your presence, your energy when you came, I, I got the energy of someone who's very humble and easygoing and cool. So that's what I picked up um, <laughs> from you. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I've heard, I've heard um, that those um, used on myself before. Um, but I, I see from my eyes, I would, I would just use simple eyes. But I've, I've also heard <laughs> some of those words used as well. So. But thank you for that. Um, so let us, uh, every time I do one of those interviews, I always like getting a bit of a background of the person. Um, you know, where from Dominica are you from? a little bit of, about your lineage, your parents, you know, that kind of thing. So let us understand Juju's background, where Juju comes from. Okay, um, so I come from, um, I live on King George Street. That's where I grew up, um, in that small yard right next to our agency. I think it's called Lacos Um That's one of the, um, I'm not sure we got that name as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a small yard right across the police station. Um, grew up my... Well, my mother, Cecilia Sanderson, um, she, well, my brother, to be honest, um, single parents, um, my father lived abroad, and my father, um, originally from Funkole, and he, he lived abroad, I think he lived, yeah, he lived in Montreal, so it was kind of single parents, I mean, he always kept in contact and, you know, stuff like that, and did what he had to for a period of myself growing up, but growing up, I was with my mother, she did or what she had to do. Um, we grew up in a very close yard. Um, everybody who lived in the yard was very close. Um, there's a lot of people that you see around. Um, Sharon, the Edwinner, the, that's Juliana, all those people. Are As family, the yard people. The yard people. <laughs> yes. Um, Iona, all of them. And it was just like a big family, I would say. So I, I growing up, I never felt like I was, you know, like a single parent. I, felt yes. I, I always thought I had a big family. So, and even in terms of my, my extended family, my grandmother, all like everybody passed through the yard. So it was it was I never really noticed that I was single parent. Only when I went to school and I started here and I went to play a family, extended family, single parent. That's when I really started to notice the difference. But yeah, it was just the yard. Um, yeah, in a small. What one was bedroom. it like growing up there? It was happy. I was happy. You were happy. I was happy. Yeah. Um, again, I only realized what. I did not have, once I started to go to school, you see different things people have and decide to compare. Um, when you decide to look at TV, saturated, but I don't have that. But growing up, I, I never thought I was lacking anything. I never thought I was poor in any way. But when I didn't have a reference point, then I realized. Yes. Oh. Yes. So I did not grow up with the most money. I did not grow up with the most facilities. I mean, I played 
beer food most of the time. Um, I don't know if you know the yard, but it's pumped all around. So a lot of those stools and <laughs> and um, yeah, um, we didn't have queen balls and I mean plastic bottles for the yard. So yeah, I grew up humble. Um, in terms of your your um, education, um, where did you go to school? Through the school journey. Okay, so I went to Miss Wilson's right on um, her not on her one. Virgin um, um, and then I went to SMB where I really started to play more football. We played a lot of football at um, this time. Um, and that time you had shoes. Yes, but, but you were giving your mother stress. Yes, but she, know? yeah, I couldn't play the shoes. Sometimes I had to take off the shoes. You had to take off the shoes? Yeah, because I couldn't what, finish the shoes. What happened? You'd be finishing the shoes. I would finish the shoes, <laughs> so I couldn't um, afford to play the shoes. Um, and she'd want me to keep both of the shoes. Right. Um, and then I went to. Do I make a grammar school? Oh, yeah, grammar school. Okay, me too. I went to make a school, and then after that, I went to make a state college. And yeah, and presently, I'm at UE Open Campus. Yeah, UE Open Campus. We high five on that. Yes, <laughs> we in this together. Yeah, together. <laughs> Alright, wonderful. So, Juju, so far, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm liking your story. And um, I'm excited because you're gonna have a baby soon. Yes, Tell us about that um, and the anticipation. Yes, that's a very exciting news. Um, for myself, um, a lot of people, a lot of even the footballers used to joke around and be like, ah, once you reach 50, then. <laughs> and I used to obviously laugh at them because obviously they, they, they knew that I was in a proper stable relationship. Um, but for myself, I, I, I knew I grew up. And again, when I started to notice and think that. As more with, I realized more the like, importance of being here for you know for your children and stuff like that. And I realized that I, remember I played in different countries, mm-hmm. and I was not in the same place. I did long distance for a while, mm-hmm. so I didn't want to be in a position where I would not want to country my child in the other country. So I thought that I would take that step. Um, when my wife and I were living in the same place mm-hmm. and we were married and everything was how I wanted, it. but I didn't want it to be a vice versa. So you planned it. So you, wanted, you wanted it to be a situation where your child could get all the love and attention that he or she needed. And we won't try to pry to see if it's a he or she. Although <laughs> <laughs> yeah. by the time it... Oh, no, it won't. It won't. By the time it is, um, um, no, baby, we'll still be in tummy. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> but tell us about your wife. Oh, wow. My wife. Yes, I, I don't know if you have enough time, though. <laughs> Let's but, summarize. Yes, let me summarize. Um, she is, she is the best woman I've ever met um, in my lifetime. Um, she literally ticks all the boxes that I think that I want in a woman. Um, if I wanted in a woman, I know she's very intelligent. Oh, she's very, very intelligent. And, and funny enough, <laughs> one of the that one not one of my boxes. No, <laughs> so that's just bonus. <laughs> Um, so basically, yeah, she, she's very intelligent, she's very organized, she's selfless, very loving. She, most of the stuff that she does for me, she will not even do for herself. Mm-hmm. She's, um, she's that kind of person, um, very loving, her personality, her personality is what me. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's very understanding, and, and it's going to just go on, so. How long y'all were together before you got married? We were together for seven years. Seven years? And you've been married for how long? I've been married. 2019, so three years. Three years, so about 10 years together. Yes, 10 years together. There was something really awesome she did for you. I think it was for your birthday. 
I saw it on oh. social media. <laughs> yes. Um, I think you all were trying to get, was it an Xbox? It was a PlayStation 5. PlayStation 5. We they were, were trying to get, and then apparently they just couldn't get it. And then you got a surprise. She pulled it out there, yeah, because we, we, we were actually I trying. I saw you unboxing it. Yeah, we were trying for like almost four to six months to try and get one that long. And we just couldn't get it. But I know she's the kind of person, you know, she's determined and she gets things done, but I was like, you, you're not going to make the PlayStation, like you have to wait for the manufacturer. And we couldn't get it. And she worked and she worked and then she, what she did, she was so smart, she put the the small box, the controller box on the um under the Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. And then she, I was thinking there's nowhere a, a, a PlayStation at in that box. So I, I had my mind on you know a wallet, a perfume. Something of the sort. But then she was I saw it for phone, so I was thinking, obviously no, it's awkward for me because I'm on tape and I, I don't know how to react if it's a perfume <laughs> or if it's like a wallet. I, I, I don't like why. I don't know why she's making it so big. Mm -hmm. And then while she was recording me, she went for another box. And then that's when she brought in the bigger yes. box and then I was trying to figure out. So that, if that could be possibly the controller. And yeah, so she got me good. She no got idea. you good. And, and it was really awesome just to look at it. How did you feel when you when you saw that's what it was? I actually lost good because in my mind, so she, she, well, she made the impossible, she made, very she impossible. It, yeah. yeah, it was actually impossible in my mind. So that was the most surprising part. I had no idea. Sometimes, you know, I have a few things, I have a few things I want. And I know she might get one on, on the list, but that one, that one was, um, yeah, I no idea. That one was special. And she knew how much I wanted. She knew how much you wanted one. But, but I always wonder, what is it about those games? Is it a stress reliever? What is it for you guys? It's definitely a stress reliever. And even for me, like, obviously I'm, I'm open most of the time, so I get to play a lot with some of my friends back home. And I mean, we have like the audio you can speak while you're playing the game. So it's a, definitely a stress reliever and just it's like a pastime. Nice. Yeah, because I, 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 I like my comfort of my house. It's very active. Alright, and our baby is due in the next couple of months? Yes, baby is yes, weeping. I'm truly excited for you and I, I, I suspect you're going to be a great father. Yes, that's the plan. You're looking forward to that? I'm very much looking forward to that, so just making sure that everything yeah, is in place so that once baby comes, all the both is on the side. Yes, of course, of course, of course. Uh, whatever else that he or she decides. Um, we'll support them 100%. Definitely. Okay, so let's talk about what has you here even today, which is football. Yes. yes. Let's talk about football. Where did it all start for you in terms of football? Okay, so it all started in my nice small yard, um, playing with my friends and stuff like that. Um, you know, I just just love for the game. Um, although my brother always was, he was always on me, my bigger brother, Dalton, he was always on me to do things properly and do the right technique and I'm just thinking, I'm just playing. You, know, you just want to enjoy yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're always on me. If I, if I probably score one goal, he'd be on me. I should score two, I should score three. And I'm just <laughs> he puts you under pressure. Always. <laughs> to one point that actually stopped playing football completely. Just, it was like, just a rebel. They're just rebelling against because I, at one point it was not enjoyable. It was too, too much of a job. <laughs> and I started playing cricket. Yes, um, right. so much so. I was in Sharon George's Cricket Academy in um, the gardens. She's around over the summer. I was doing that so much that I actually got a call up for the under 50 national team. Yeah, we had a tra trial in um, Lapwitz. Yeah, and then when I, I usually played it with Windmill, and then it was football. And 
Bawa mungkin cepat kau ni. So that's what I knew. By the time aku kira. But yeah, I started there, and then you know I played football for um, my schools and stuff like that. Started to get a bigger recognition, scoring goals, stuff like that. Then um, I went on to. I left Dominica. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's. Before you left Dominica, at what point during the times you were playing for your schools and so on did you realize, hey, I might have a knack at this game? When I started to watch football on television, so my brother always used to look at matches and I can play and stuff like that. And I started to watch it as well, just out of curiosity, if anybody wants to watch it. And I started to see how they would play and I started to pick up something and think, oh, I could do that too. And just started to watch and I was thinking, but I could play there as well. Like, I was just thinking I could, I could play. And then I, I went to the national team and I, and I played on the 14 and I realized I can, I'm up the level the others are. So I'm just thinking, and the fields are a lot nicer. So I'm just thinking <laughs> I want to play on those fields. I want to play against strong opponents because it's almost like you get almost validation in your ability because you realize that these are so called better teams and so better, and then you come so that gave me kind of confidence. That gave me more confidence. And then I realized, oh, I think that's something that I want to do. Okay, all right. And then at some point, at what point did you leave Dominica? You were just about sharing with us that you left Dominica. Yes, so I left Dominica in 2009. I mean, it was such a typical situation that, um, so my father um, lives in Montreal, as mm-hmm. I mentioned, and he was always asking me to come to Montreal to join the force. There was a job, job To join the force? Yes, Police force. Oh boy. And I was always putting it away because I, all I knew of Montreal was a big ball team. That's all I knew. So I was always thinking I don't want to go, I don't want to go. And then when we, when we were done with high school, started college and stuff like that, he invited me again. That probably stood up for them. Um, mm-hmm. But my mother didn't want me to go as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was thinking about it. Yeah, my best friend Travis Woodman was there at the time. When my mother mentioned it because she just came on the call with my father. He was like, yeah, we could do it. I was like, okay, well, if you do it, if you do it with me, then we could do it. Your friend. My friend, yes. Travis. Um, and then we decided to go. Last minute he pulled out, um, so he didn't go. He left you hanging. He left me hanging. Oh, Up to this day, I still have that on him. And then I left. I went on my own because everything else would go. So I went to Monstrat um, to join the force. Um, I did that for three years. And while there, you know, I went to football, you know, football, we wanted to football, go, started to train with them, and then immediately the, the, the president, um, Vincent Castle, saw me and he realized my potential, and yeah, and with Montra, there was some, um, um, there was some leeway in terms of um, parentage and stuff like that that allowed me mm-hmm. to play for Montra, and especially my age, I was um, 19 at the time, so I was able to play for them, and I played a tournament with them, and he wanted me to play for Montra at that point, so I played a bit of football there. And then um, when I when I reached 20, and I, was, I had to choose um, which country that I had to play for. Okay. And when I looked at playing for Montreal, just playing for Dominica, I realized all my allegiance, all my loyalty was to Dominica. So of course. I am. Um, yeah, I chose Dominica. You chose Dominica. I chose Dominica. Okay, I was saying to you online when I was doing a bit of research that I saw that the reason why you came back to Dominica was because there were some changes in FIFA's rules in terms of you probably not being able to play for Montserrat, but you're saying that your decision was actually made based on the fact that you decided that you were coming back to Dominica. Yes, yes. So, based on the FIFA rules, I could not now play for Montserrat unless I had committed to Montserrat. Okay. 
Yeah, so I'd have to come to Montreal, I'd have to forge up a Dominica and then get my passport, do what I have to do for Montreal. Okay, okay. But, um, yeah, I decided, yeah, just go to the road. It was Dominica. So, did we quit the force and come back to Dominica? Oh, yes. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we quit the force. Um, By the I, way, before that, what was the experience like being a police officer? Oh, it was, <laughs> a, a lot of guys um, um, always make jokes about that. It was an interesting one. Um, it was different. I never wanted to be joining the force before that. I don't know. I joined because my my friend told me to do it, and I and I was wanted to be in a reputable job, mm -hmm. a job um, you know, that um, kind of you know, was on another level. So um, I did it to 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 see how I'd get on and how much I'd enjoy it, and I think it was kind of nice. Like this now, yeah, stuff like that. And it was alright. It was alright, it was not too much violence, too much in Montreal, it was a small place, it was very quiet, not many crimes, so it was more community policing and prevention, so pretty much that. Um, so I did that for three years, um, got to know the people, it was a good experience, I learned a lot there, and then I had an opportunity now to go to, um, to USL with Antigua Barracudas FC at the time. Yes, I went to do a trial in Antigua, I got through, and then I was supposed to leave Montreal for like six months to do that. And I was told that you should do that. Uh huh. So, um, what decision did we make? <laughs> it was always going to be football. Yeah, it was always going to be football. Always. And funny enough, though. Before, like maybe, I don't ever want to exaggerate, probably like two weeks before I even got the opportunity to go to Antigua. I remember being on the beach, that's in the community, mm -hmm. that's what it called, working. And I was just thinking like that, I was, you know, just out by myself. I was on a night shift, so it was probably after two, after three, I don't know. And I was just thinking like, that's not what I want to do. I mean, it was, it was good pay, it was good everything, everything was alright. But I knew I wasn't happy. And as I told you, growing up, I was happy. So for me, happiness was was that yeah, stick it. That was what I would measure anything else on. And though everything else was ideal, I was I was happy, and I knew that's not what I wanted to do. I didn't have, I didn't have a passion. I didn't have a drive for it. And I wanted to do something that I was happy, like would make me happy. Because happiness for me is the biggest thing. And that's when I decided. And actually, stayed after free. And actually, prayed. I was like, didn't go like that. You cannot have me. Um, going through all that football, making me score so many goals, doing so much, and then it helped me in the goal. Like, I think that would add another. So I just add in for him. Yes, I have to be for that. At least, let me try, even if I fail them, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. good, but mm -hmm. I want an opportunity. So at least justify all what I did over the years. And I heard about the trial, like, I don't want two weeks, no more than two weeks later. And I decided to go and just try, you know. And I was successful. I'm successful and then I have to leave before it's Um because I had a decision to leave. They were short staff, they could not let me go. And I'm well. just thinking, well, it's, it's, it's my dream versus security. And yes, I yes. Decided to take that, 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 that would have been a difficult decision oh. to make. It was, yeah, when knowing it's only six months. Yes. So it was knowing that I have to go that six months and do exact, mm -hmm. make it in that six months. But I still think, from what I'm gathering from you, that you had vision, that you knew more would come out from that six months and the opportunities would continue coming. So tell us about that six months and, and what came out of it. Oh no, that's a very interesting six months and you'll find out. 
So I quit the force um, with the assistance of my father showed me um, the ropes and what I should do and how it would be the most you know, respectful way legally and how it should be done properly. Um, I quit the force there and then I was meant to go to Antigua. Now, there's a bit of <laughs> I should say politics yeah. in that Antigua because there were how it was at the time, and I had something said this for me, that coaches had to submit their list of players that they would want on the team as well as substitutions. And I mean, the I'm starting line of all the coaches and yet right. another player of an Antiguan player in the same position, but you would and they'd not be for that. <laughs> so you quit your job, Yes, you go to Antigua to play football, mm -hmm. and you're not picked. I was not picked, even after being a starter on literally almost all the coaches lineups. I was not big time and I still to this day I don't know the political part. All I know is a striker. Same position from Antigua. Left in my position. Um, so yeah, so actually was there and they told me that they would they would um travel at my my place where I was staying and they said that they would contact me by let's see twelve o'clock. So I would know if I was sitting on the flight. Are you kidding me? And you know, I, I was there for my back spot waiting from 12, from 11. And I realized it passed away, I didn't get the call. I knew the flight was like, I don't know, this or something. And I waited until 2.30 and not giving up here, just waiting, thinking that there's still a possibility for a flight You'll delayed. go on another flight. I'll go on another flight. Or something. <laughs> never. And you were never called. Never. I was never At called. At least then. not that day. I was never called. And never for this, what happened over the six months altogether? So that happened. Um, well, you must that, have been devastated. That, oh, hmm, that day, that day was one of the days where I questioned God. I was just thinking, I quit my job. Wow. And I'm waiting to go on the flight. Everything was organized. I got the opportunity. I made the team. And I did go. So I'm just thinking, you understand, like, what like, was going on? And I left Antigua. Now, that was the hard part. Because now I had to go back to Dominica. And during those, that time, I had to use, so I did all I had to do, get my visas, do all I had to do. And I used a bit of my savings and I had to head back to Dominica. And that for me was a hard time because um, I'm just thinking, it's kind of embarrassing now you have to go back into Dominica and say, well, you see you, they will ask the question. <laughs> and I actually stayed stuck by my grandmother for almost a month, yeah. She didn't come down. Almost in hiding. You know, almost in hiding, yeah. Almost in hiding. And after that, I got. I kind of picked myself up after the month, and I'm just thinking because again, my my best friend again, Travis, um, he, he's also a man of God, and obviously had a lot of conversation. He, he left you down. Man. Oh yes, I always had that. <laughs> I always had that on him, but we had lots of conversation. He was just thinking like, like I, I should not not give up. Yeah, not give up. Yeah, I should yeah. try. Like, oh, and mind you, he, he had no, he didn't have another option, but he just knew I like, just give up. Yeah, and just trust God and stuff like that. And. I came across one of the coaches in Trinidad, um, um, Jama Shabazz, and he, I remember that when I played a, a game in Trinidad one time for the Montreal national team, mm -hmm. it was a friendly, mm -hmm. we played against a team of his own. And we've not spoken about Trinidad yet, but I suspect just okay. something coming up. Yes. <laughs> yes. So when I um, spoke to him, um, he, he, he liked me since from that game, because okay, I scored the two goals with you, and he always, you know, liked me. I got his contact, I can't remember where he was Facebook. I can't remember I got his contact. I know I just reached out and funny enough, well, or I don't know, I, I was blessed in that his team was actually preparing for the Conquer Champions League, which is a very big tournament. 
And you know what he, he said? Okay, you know what? If you can get remembered me. He was like, and he always wanted me, but I never left. And he was like, if I could come to Trinidad by the Sunday, mind you, it was like Wednesday. That so that time. is after you came back from Antigua? Yes, yes, and okay. I was in Dominica okay. that time, I yes, reached out yes, to him. Yes. And he was like, if I could get to Trinidad um, by Sunday, I could get like a, a two week or a week. I think it was like a two week trial, and we would see. So I was like, wow. Yeah, I could remember at that point. All, basically all of my money in transactions and flights uh -huh, and uh -huh. so, I'm just so you had to pay away yes so I, he was yes. not going to send you a ticket no he wasn't okay. sending a ticket but they would cover everything else once i was there okay um so i'm thinking like wow i need to get that so i reached out to a few people um, I, I i won't mention mm -hmm. um and i did not get the yes, assistance support at the time and i was at a yeah, I was after but I knew how to do it. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to two family members and they they um, agreed to help and I just told them I got any day I think ticket was like I don't know. I can't remember the amount, but I told them, you give me half, you give me half. And I will go to Trinidad, I will make the team and I will I'll pay back by my within my first salary, first two salaries I'll pay back. Mm -hmm. I was a long shot because Ben and I had no experience with Dominica playing football. But again it was just my ability and and my faith in God, like just knowing that God will have my back. And went to Trinidad, did it to a trial, made the team, and made the team, and then, yeah, I got my full salary, I paid them back. You did. I paid them back you, with my full salary. You kept your promise. I kept it, yes. Yeah. I paid back. Full salary, I paid my debt. Mm -hmm. and so you're very grateful to these people. Oh, if it had not been for them, they will not be. Mm -hmm. This. They will not be this, because my career kicked off from that. Um, because we went to um, Mexico, we had a big game in Mexico against some two KFC, you know, the Giants in Mexico. Um, and it's very difficult to play in Mexico because the altitude. Mm -hmm. We literally had to go two weeks before and go to Colombia at similar altitude where, and, practice. and practice to just get accustomed. It was so difficult, it was so thin um, to breathe and to get oxygen and stuff like that. that Literally, our first session in Colombia when we arrived, we literally had to just walk around the beach. And some guys still had those feet from walking around the beach. That's how high it was. That would have been difficult. So we did that, and I, um, I mean, my debut there, I came in as a substitute in like the I don't know, 69th minute or something. And I scored all oh, <laughs> our only goal. We, we, we lost. You scored the only goal? The goal. Yeah, we lost 3 1 that day. Okay, it doesn't matter, yeah. but you scored the goal. I scored, so. From that, that kind of kicked off my career because not many people around the Caribbean, at least, only Dominica knew about me. And then to see, because a lot of Caribbean, I think I was, I think at the time they said I was 20 something player from the Caribbean to even score against a Mexican team in Mexico. Many people do not. So you even need some statistics there. Yes, and that's the first <laughs> stat um, statistic I ever got. I was like, oh wow, that's good. I mean, so you just put your name and then kind of blow up on Facebook and went out and then I got injured um, unfortunately um, shortly after and which did not make me play for a good deal of the season mm. um, so the first season I, I only played like what seven ten games uh, seven games or so um, I still managed to get like about four goals but was nowhere near what I wanted so I, so I didn't have a very good um, season because most of it was yeah. injury I had a meniscus um, damage and then charged me up for like six months wow that's a long time practically season mm -hmm. and then I left um, 
Chile and I was a very good, very, very good experience. Um, Chile was very good, especially at, because I had no previous experience and it was very good. The environment, the professionalism, it really, really um, made me see what it takes and the, the amount of work and the amount of quality players. We had players that were on the Chile, that national team, that we competing against. You always be trying to push the bar to even keep up because it's coming from a small country like Dominica. You have to work a little harder. You have to work a lot harder just to even meet because these players have these facilities growing up with, so they have their technique, everything is already. They just have the base. Um, here at the base, so there was a lot, a lot of work um, to even keep up, and I did what I had to. Um, I scored when I when I came on. <laughs> I got in my opportunities, and then in. 2014, so after the first season I didn't play too much, um, the second season came and then there were some um, issues in terms of um, our sponsor, there was a oil crash, one of our sponsors were oil company, there was some yes, yes. in, in our matters where they had to let go a few players um, on, on loan and you know it's always more difficult to deal with the foreigners because the foreigners come with housing, they come with so the expenses higher and luckily for me I was um, offered the opportunity to go on loan to one. Um, top teams, it was a new team, but one of the top teams the guy which was singers FC. And funny enough, um, when I got the when I got offered the opportunity to go, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. Um, at that time, <laughs> um, we were in Dominica, I remember um Steffi was living in Goodwill at the time. And I said I was not going. And she was the person who was supposed to go. I literally cried I was not going. <laughs> that's that's how much I because I was just thinking I'm I need to develop my career in football in Trinidad and where there's opportunities. And I was thinking, why do I go to Guyana? Um, I don't know what is in Guyana, and I, I just like it. And I'm, 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 I'm not too much. I'm not too experimental. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. You're so, not too adventurous. No, I'm not too adventurous. <laughs> no. So I was just thinking, I don't do it. And she convinced me. Um, after long debates, and then I decided, okay, I'll go. And I left, went to Guyana, and. That's what my career even, even, oh, wow. even more. So it was a good decision. It was a very good decision. Okay, good job, Stephanie. <laughs> it was a very good decision. Um, she had the, 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 the foresight to chat, like she had decided to see that. And I had no idea. For me, I would have said that. Even though it meant, I don't know, grinding through, I just thought Trinidad was the place and it wasn't. I was one of the best things for my career. It helped my career. I scored lots of goals. I got the top score for the, um, the league at the time. And we won the league, so that was that kicked up my career um, even more. And then in 2016, I actually went on a trial um, in the UK. One of the teams was Dagenham and Redbridge at the time. Um, it was a good, good trial period, and um, they came on the visas, and look who they are there. So they are changing. There's the always something. <laughs> they are changing visa um, um, requirements to something where your country has to be in the top. 70 ranked countries in the world. Oh. And Dominica was not. But <laughs> not in that, so I did not um, end up getting signed and then I had to, to return. Um, so that was another hard time. Um, and I got another opportunity, because there's been so many opportunities here. Mm -hmm. yeah. Another opportunity um, where I saw. I'm, I've had very few miracles in my life, but I've seen real miracles. And one of them was when I left to go to. Um, to the UK, so I got an opportunity to go to the UK with an agent. Mm -hmm. He organized everything for me, everything was organized. And I left Dominica, went to the um, to the UK. And when I was, well, before I went to the UK, I was in Barbados. And then when I messaged him in Barbados, so, you know, just confirmed. He told me that 
opportunity that you received in Scotland and how that came about? Okay, um, so again, Steffi, so we, 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 we saw that we could not, um, it was almost very difficult coming to play football abroad, especially in, in Europe and in the UK, because of restrictions and stuff like that. And we took our time, we got married, got my visa, and we decided to explore that market now. Um, and we went to the UK, um, and, I, and I thought it would have been a while because, you know, I'm new, I mean, I'm, mm. my name's kind of in the Caribbean, though, yeah. because it's not that kind of thing. So I started to do my stuff, you know, just play around, like, little friendly, stuff like that, just so that people could see me. And um, the other guy, Graham Walk, who immediately had an eye for me, and he was just like, he wanted me to play for his team. Okay. Um, and then when he... He looked at my my um my experience and he saw my CV as like thinking like, oh I can actually play for because we had was in like juniors and he was actually um very good like he was very very good to me that he sent my CV out um for me and he had a lot of um, links and stuff like that which was a real blessing and within a week he messaged me to tell me that what was interesting that would break the city. Um and he was thinking of my CV again, the same CV that <laughs> So your wife knew what she was doing she all what? along. She knew what she was doing because of that same CV breaking had a look and they was like, okay, they're interested, they want to have a look at me in training because they, now they need to see if what's on the CV matches the person. You're right. It's not just a fabricated <laughs> stuff. Um, and I went to that, had like two training sessions and then confirmed. And then we started people will sign and then by the next day, I had a game, I had a coffee with them, yeah. They came on, I, I did what I had on the very first. Did you score the first game? Oh, oh, so that was the first team I actually joined that I didn't score my debut. Really? Every other, <laughs> oh every other team that I played with, I scored on my debut. Okay. I, was, I really wanted to, but I, yeah, I kind of broke there. Okay, no, no, <laughs> yeah, but I'm broke. sure you still played very well. Yes, I, yes, I um, gave a good train of myself and they were very impressed. So by when did we start scoring the goals? So we started scoring the game? games, actually on my fifth game. Like, Your fifth game? Yeah, I was four it, games in. It probably took a little time just adjusting to oh, your environment definitely because in the caribbean it was just adjusting to style of play mm -hmm. everything else was pretty much the same but when you go from playing games 20 25 20 60 degrees to playing a game at 60 degrees mm -hmm. it's completely different the way the ball moves on the pitch the atmosphere like i'm um, getting enough oxygen every single thing even even don't your toes like i can sometimes i can't even feel my toes in my yeah, okay, it's six degrees of playing games where hail is falling. Like it's, it's completely different. The, the, it's the level of physicality, completely. It was just completely different. So it took me like about four, four games to actually go and score, get on the score sheet. And I still did a few things well, you know, mm -hmm. set up some assisted, mm -hmm. had some good um, um, moments in the game where I, I played well. Mm -hmm. And the, the, I think the manager, um, Andy Kirk, he always told me like you know like he's getting he's not getting the goal but he's getting everything else so he's like just, you know, just be patient and then one of those games he, he rested yeah he, he had me on the bench and then I came in and actually got that goal <laughs> so you're like ah oh, finally finally it happened yes and then I remember Dominican's been pretty excited for you oh, yes. um for that and um we're at a stage now where you're moving on to another another club so tell us, you know, how things wrapped up with that other club and what what caused that move to that 
Um, what is the club now you're moving to? I'm moving to former team. Former team? Yes, United, okay. yes. Um, so I did my season in Breaking City and it was, well, my, it was a very, very good season. I'm with fans who want to stand out. And yes. it was very, very... We saw the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a very good season. And then it was one of those things where, for me, um, so game time for me is the big thing because um, you have to know in football it's always about playing to your strengths and not only on the field of as well. And at my age, um, it's, it's not a, a young age in football. Mm-hmm. So me being on, I did, I, 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 we had a lot of strikers, a lot of quality players and stuff like that. And me being on the bench did not help my case because at that age I have experience, I have a lot going for me and, and youth and, and opportunity in terms of age is not one of them. So I needed more game time. Um, and that is something that um, after, after speaking to the coaches at former team, um, the manager, because because um, it was always the more difficult one to be like six strikers at three. And um, former team, I got the, the confidence that I've got more game time, which is very, very um, difficult for me. Um, former team is also in my city. Napoli is very convenient, baby on the way. Yes. I need to be yes, close. Close um, as well. Um, and they made me an offer I, I, that I couldn't refuse. Um, so it was it was ideal in that sense. Um, and I, at that point, and it's a very good team as well. It's a very, very good team. We played them in the league. We beat them one time, they beat us the other time. It was a very, very good team. And it's just one of those things where I just decided that not every, um, what should I say, not every ideal situation is not always ideal for you. Right. So Breaking City is a very, very good club, mm-hmm. very structured, very organized, very, mm-hmm. very good. But when I look at my current situation, I think that the former team would be a better move for me now. At this preference, but especially um, with Baby and the Way and, mm-hmm. and as I said, former team again is top team as well. Mm-hmm. So I just think that um, it was just one of those things, um, one of my concerns, I was always for the fans to take it because it was so, you know, yeah, it was so close and stuff like that. So it's just one of those things that I have to do for me. And, and fans respected it. Yes. Um, a lot of messages to me well and stuff like that. And it was just a smooth transition, Good. which I, that's, that's what I wanted. That's yeah, that's why I didn't want any bad blood um, because I said I was treated properly yes. um, off the pitch. Um, and even on the pitch, again, a little bit game time for me was one of the deal breakers. What's the what's the ultimate goal? No pun intended here. <laughs> what's the ultimate goal for you, um, Juju? To be honest, um, I want to be at the highest level that I, I I possibly can. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it's the league above. I'm not going to say it's the Premier League because throughout my entire journey, I had no control over it. It was always God um, directing myself. So I'm not knowing to put my hand in it. Mm-hmm. Um, the time that I put my hand in it, I've kind of made a mess of it. So to be honest, I'm going to do what I can, and I'll go to the rest. And as I said, I'm happy, and that for me is important. I, I think we'll be Yeah, that's that's important. So Juju, we're really excited for you um, in terms of your move to that new club, and I think um, anyone who listens would understand why you would make a move like that. It being closer to home, a baby on the way, and all of that. And like you said, you know. Um, God has directed your path so far, and I guess it's left to him to see, you know, how far you get from here on. 
But let, let us come back a little closer to home. Um, you've been part of the national team um, for some time. Um, tell us about your your, your, your local background. Um, you played for Bathurst. Did we talk about that before? I'm not sure if we did. So let us talk about your, 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 your stats in terms of local. My starting local um, is, is Bath Road Ambassadors. Um, that was a team from Bath Road um, That's where I started. That's who took the first chance on me, gave me my opportunity. Um, that's, who, that's, who, that's how Dominican knew me um, in terms of local football. It was through Bath Road Ambassadors. That's who I am. Made my name, I should say. Bath State came kind of later. Um, that was after when um, I, that was like probably 20. 11 maybe, um, but I started back probably 2007, so something somewhere about. Um, so I, I played for the ambassador. Oh, I played for a lot of <laughs> local teams as well. Where people were saying that I was abusing the system because above when you when you a certain age you could play in the different divisions. So I played other team in all Ireland, first division. And <laughs> <laughs> so, you love the game. Yeah, I love the game. I just played the game. Um, but yeah, I played with Bathford and a few other local the wrong um, and then I signed with Bathurst after because by then I think Bathurst as well had had um, him had kind of dissolved um, I didn't hear much about them again so I played Bathurst for that period and Bathurst for me was always going to be the next natural option because even in terms of academy I went to the Winter Academy in Bathurst um, even in terms of football I always go Bathurst and play Bathurst from the garden so with that I would have that close relationship um, directly related to Bathurst we're going to be back in and um, I've been in back for the past, yeah, past however long. And, yeah, that's the next team that's um, in Dominica. And you made the uh, which one of the teams you played for? You know, they were different names. Oh yeah, so there was I played for Mount Super Strikers, I played for Young Rivals, I played for um, Trafalgar. I can't remember if it was Trafalgar or anything. If it was Trafalgar. I played for. TFAU stars. I, I God, you have a lot of football on the yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, and I think I've missed a few, but okay. I can't remember everything right now. Okay, that's all right. Yes. And in terms of the national team, you've been part of the national team for how long? Since 20... I was a part of it in that game against Barbados, but I was on the bench. So I would say I actually made my debut and actually okay. properly been a part of it from 2013. Okay. Yes, that's when I played in the first in the tournament that we had here. Was it 2013 or was it 2014? I think it was 2014. 2014, I think it was, yeah. It was, yeah, March of 2014, yeah. So I played for the national team for 2014 to now, so that's like eight years. Eight years. And, and being part of the national team, what has that experience been like for you? The national team was always my, one of my um, goals, always, like, because I always wanted to represent Dominique. Um, I mean, I've seen guys represent Dominica, and again, I always, that was always, I think that was always the level that I like, at the highest level of the country and the for the country. I'm in a proper representation, and um, I've, I've been through a lot of coaches, I've been through a lot of different players, and it has been, it has always, one thing I can say that's always been a close-knit group, it has always been a brotherhood. I mean, when I was younger, I was one of the youngest players, so it was not always my peers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I will say that I was always, like all we are Dominicans, always warm, always welcoming, always like, like a brotherhood, you have my back, have your back kind of thing. Um, we didn't always get the results because 
again, don't, we don't have enough um, structure in the in our system in terms of those that produce teams and we can always compete based on talent. But at one point, then you have to transition to um, the more tactical side of things and, and, and more structured people and continuity after you finish at a, at a youth level. How do you now progress into a, a career? How do you progress into um, um, the other aspects of the game? And the technical side and the tactical side of things. Um, I would say it's it's been. I think it, it, even our under 15 team was one of the best things I've been in, in terms of structure and and, and 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 quality and players, I should say. And and maybe it's about the same thing I said before, where everybody's talented and stuff like that at the time, but. I don't know, I've been in and out a lot, so, um, yeah, and then we have not, we have a team now where we have the team that yeah. we should now address some of the issues that we had, um, so it was, it's, it's been a, a very up and down kind of journey, but it's been, it's been an it's interesting been one, a it's been a good one. Obviously, you just came from two draws, um, one loss in the CONCACAF. Nations League. Um, you scored the goal for Dominica? Yeah, I scored one, yeah, in the second game. The second game. Um, did you, in terms of the the National League and, and you, you return to play and to support, uh, what do you think is wrong? Or what do we need to do to, to get over that that um, winning table? <laughs> um, I think I think it's, it's a very, um, it's a lot of things um, in terms of a lot of different areas that you have to touch on. Mm -hmm. I think one of them, I mean, right, which right out of our doorstep is our quality of football locally. Mm -hmm. I mean, that plays a big part. Um, and to, to change that quality of football locally, then we need to adjust some of the things like you can get better fields. Because if you have proper fields, then you can play proper football because it's, it's not easy to play a competition. Um, the, the speed of play is a lot slower. The quality of your touches, um, though people may say that, oh, um, you should be good anyway, but you have a disadvantage, you almost start, you almost running a race with 10 with um, pong with on, and everybody else is free. It's, it's, you can do it, but it's a lot more difficult because I have to do it too, but it's a lot more difficult. And, and people are at different levels, people are different levels of um, motivation, people are different, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's almost like you're always at a disadvantage. So I think the level of um, all facilities, the pitches, one of them again in terms of structure, structure in the system so that we have youth, youth players from the, from, the, from the academy level of pushing the academies go up into going to something else and then into senior team like that structure. Again, if players' motivation or their interest in developing their craft is through, they're not feeling like you know they don't have that motivation, they don't have the facilities, but I think also players have that on themselves to develop themselves so that you can have a proper. Um, and then obviously out over a level. And the other thing too is um, tapping into overseas these players and getting players from the outside who probably have more access or probably have um, more, I should say, more um, facilities, probably exposed to more of that so that they can bring some of that outside. Um, and then again, even in terms of maybe coaches as well, having coaches qualified and 
and, and in, in positions that they can now contribute. And it doesn't necessarily just have to be the national senior team, but even in local clubs. So that that so it's, I think it's about um, developing our local pro, um, product and giving a proper product locally, so that then that can now transfer into the national team and, 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 and give a proper representation, representation of Dominica. But it's a, it's a lot of things um, that I think we need to take one step at a time, but we need to take a step. We need yeah, to do something. Too much conversation. And, and, and then, of course, for the opportunities like you've received, for that to also be open to some of, of our national players as well, in terms of getting the opportunity to play in clubs, um, for clubs overseas. Yeah. Um, I mean, with you, I am not sure who else has that, that opportunity, but it's definitely not too many um, coming for Dominica. Uh, there's, Dominican players. There's probably a handful like, you know, Clinton Prince, Brian Thomas, Anthony Frederick Addison, well, Chad Wilchrin. Oh, but there were a few players who went to college in America as well. Okay. So that, that's, that, that's a, well, but it's, it's stuff like that that I think that will help. Um, and again, it's the mentality because growing up, I always knew, like all the issues that we have now, I always had that feedback on my knowing that all people saying that association is, is not good and that so you cannot focus because focusing on it doesn't help we know that already we have that information um so it's just a matter of seeing what you can do first of all go to the gardens and i have to take my brother and my friend practice that you just have to do what you have to do, you have to do. yeah um will we see you continuing to um take the field for dominica in the future well definitely um i feel i feel good um I think when that time comes, I think obviously I, I, I'll know because football is something that you will feel, your body will tell you. Mm -hmm. And I, I still feel like I'm 20. <laughs> I like that. I still feel good. Like um, and yeah, I still feel I have a lot more to give in the game. And I'm still going to continue. Um, like I will, I will continue regardless of anything. Um, so it's just a matter of when that time comes, I'll know. Who inspires you in the field, and um, what are your your what teams do you support? Let's say in the Premier League and in the World Cup and so on. Just on a lighter side. Okay. Um. Well, the team I support, I can't say too loud. Um. It's a team. It's the red side of Manchester. <laughs> but we're not. We're not. Oh my we're not doing too well now, so I can't speak too loud on that. Oh my goodness. But it's the red side of Manchester. So that's Manchester United. <laughs> All right. At least I do something. <laughs> um. Manchester United. Um. I, I I mean, when you have guys like Messi and Ronaldo, that's a no-brainer. That's guys that are the top of the game. Um, but for me growing up, it was Samuel Eto'o from Cameroon. He was my inspiration in terms okay. of you know, being on the pitch. Even so, that there was a guy from Essen, I can't, I think his name was Edgar, I can't remember his name. He always called me, up till today, called me Samuel Eto'o. Oh, is that <laughs> Yeah, so? because I don't know if he says that I resemble or plays like him or whatever, but he always called me that. Um, and when it comes to World Cup? World Cup. This is, oh, you have to be France, yeah. France. You have to be France, yeah. Um, obviously, I want to miss it when you will go for it. It might be a difficult one. Yeah. But I'll talk about France, um, see you. And in terms of otherwise, and again, general, generally, and just being around football, again, it's my brother who bought me. Ah, you can't forget him. Cannot, yeah, it's, it's, it's he who had me. If, uh, if I had not been for him, I would not be here. Okay. I can tell you that. So that one again, it's one of my, uh, always being one of my biggest. All right, so um, I, I, I'm not sure if we, lost, we left out anything of importance that you would like to share with us, Juju. 
Yeah, that's one thing. I, uh, yes. Another thing I just remembered. I mean, even in terms of you mentioned what can you know people do and stuff like that to help the level of football and stuff like yes. that. I think that parents have a very part to play as well in like especially young players um, growing up because my mother literally never missed one of my games and it's something that I mean you might not think too much of it but just knowing she's there, just knowing that she supports you and that alone is almost it's just some comfort, it's just comfort and it's just um, just knowing that you're more happy back and that helps a lot so I think um, little things like that and a lot of the um, very good players they have that support from their parents. So if anything, like even if you don't have the finances, just go to the games and just encourage them and do what you can to help them. And I think that little things like that will help with the same product that we're speaking about. I'm a deal when you don't need to do it. So everybody has to be the part. Julian Wade, aka Juju. Um, I must say that uh, it's the first time that we've had the opportunity to speak on that level and I like the person that I, I got to experience today. Um, I really do want to wish you well um, in your future endeavors. I think there's still more great things to come from you. Um, I want to extend my best wishes to you and your wife. I hope that she has a very safe delivery and that you know whatever it is, a boy or a girl, that it's a healthy baby and that's all that's going to matter and I do hope that you get the opportunity to experience fatherhood and all the joys that it brings. Thank you so much for um, taking some of your time um, with us on this Saturday. I know you have other things to do um, so I really do appreciate it and I hope that the audience will appreciate our conversation because I was pretty happy with it and I think it was a very good conversation and I hope that you continue to maintain this utility that you have um, no matter where it is that you get, how far you get um, in this wonderful field of football that you've loved from the time you were a boy. Um, if you have anything final to say, I'll give you Yes, and I'll just begin by again thanking you so much for um, reaching out um, because that, I mean, sometimes you, you have a journey and you, you go through things and then sometimes just people reaching out and touching base, like you kind of feel some form, I don't know, of compassion or satisfaction, some form of like you have somebody has even seen the opportunity to even reach out and to find out your story and I am very grateful. I mean, I, I mentioned before the show, like my wife and I, by extension, I end up watching because she's watching it. <laughs> we always look at your show and yes. I really like what you're doing and I think it's a very, very positive thing. Um, that is something that it's very, very difficult for people to do, um, to give flowers or to recognize people, especially locally and people in their own town. So I think it, it takes a lot of humility even on yourself and like to do something like that on a regular because I can tell you as, as much as it looks like it's just an a lot to even reach out to That's people and to, to give people <laughs> um, that kind of recognition. So again, I, I, I really hope that, I don't know, but you have your chance to be in the spotlight because you, what you've done. Yeah, one I of mean, those days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people take it for granted, but this week matters. Thank so once you. Once again, thanks for having yes. me. Safe journey back to the UK. Uh, thank you. All right. One yeah. One Floor. Bundle, 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 save. Tap up, tap up, yeah. Tap up, tap up, mad. Tap up, tap up, tap up, tap up, tap up. Look at the place covered. Look at the place covered. Rose all you want. Rose all you want.
Win big with flow. iPads, smartphones, vacations, breakfast fed tickets, data, and over $15,000 in cash. Activate a 3, 7, or 30-day prepaid combo plan. Pay up your bill. Switch to flow. Bundle up for your chance to win every day. Bundle now and get a smartphone for free. Switch now. Thanks to the insurance company of the West Indies, protecting the Caribbean for over 50 years. Click, call, or visit for your quote today. Josephine Gabriel and Company Limited, agents for Barefoot Wine, Twapita Water, and Heineken Beer. We forward the freight master, faster and reliable shipping to the islands. Flo Dominica, enjoy six times more speeds, and 50% off mobile when you bundle. Kalaloo House and the Great Old House for the finest dining in Dominica. And Media Links. Media Links is Media Links. As indicated at the beginning of the program, we are airing two programs this evening. So you just heard the program featuring Julian Juju Wade. And now we invite you to tune in to the program featuring Coleridge Bell, better known as Mr. Reach Across the Bridge. Today, we are quite excited to have a young man who is becoming very, very popular within the entertainment industry here in Dominica. Um, he goes by the name of Rich Bell, but popularly known as Rich Cross the Bridge. Let us say hello to, I'll call him by his proper name for now, and we'll see how that goes for the okay. rest of the interview. Rich, thank you so much for agreeing to do this interview with us here today. 
Thanks for Thanks for having me. It is my absolute pleasure. Um, so the first thing for me, um, Ridge, is this cross the bridge, Ridge. Um, I want to get this out of the way. Tell me what this is about. Well, actually, that slogan came from my time spent in Saint Martin, because before Dominic, I was based in Saint Martin, playing music with different bands, reggae, salsa, and when you cross the bridge. In St. Martin, you went to Simpson Bay. That was the hot zone in St. Martin. So many guys would say, yeah, we're crossing the bridge. Yeah, man, crossing the bridge. So that became like a, a slogan for when you go to the next level of CO and whatever, we're crossing the bridge. So you see, from. there it is. I thought that had something to do with crossing the bridge in Dominica <laughs> during carnival or something. <laughs> and there it is, we're getting a clarification of what that is. And I think many people might say, oh, you mentioned in, in sharing with us um, how the slogan came about, you mentioned working in St. Martin in music. Yeah. What did you do? Well, I was keyboardist. I used to play in like, all the major hotels, all the casinos. I used to play in St. Bart, Anguilla. Because I was a freelance keyboardist at the time. I wasn't singing. I was just more playing keyboard for different bands. Okay. By the way, nice studio. Oh, I love you. it. It is quite cozy. And I think anyone would be comfortable in here producing music. All right, so Rich, Rich Bell is your name. So give me a bit about your, your background, well, actually, family background. Well, people call me Rich for sure, my full name is Coleridge, Coleridge Bell. Coleridge Bell. Yeah, that's Coleridge a nice Washer. name. Yeah. <laughs> people are going to learn some things. Yeah, so everyone, basically, in New Town, they used to call me Rich for sure. So it's the C-O-L-E, Rich. But my full name is Coleridge Bell. Do you like Coleridge, the name? Well, it's um the main one my father gave me. Uh, it's from my my late uncle, who's in um in, in the states. So they named me after my uncle. Okay, it has a bit of a British feel or something yeah, to it. Yeah, it's an English name. Yeah. It is mm -hmm. right. Okay, so tell me a bit about family. Um, uh, Coleridge. Okay, well, my family. My mom is Sheba Bowers Bell. My dad is Thomas Bell. Before my teachers, my mom teaches at grammar school. My father teaches at the college. Uh, yeah, that dabbled a little in politics. Yeah, right? my dad that dabbled in politics for UWP. Yes. And then we had um, have my sisters. I have one in Texas. That's my older sister, Adela. I have my smaller sister, Shelly's Bell. And I have a younger brother, Alfonso Bell, who studied in Texas as well. Okay. And family, children? Do you have children? Oh, we have one son, Jaquan Bell. Tell me about Jaquan. Oh, and Jaquan, Jaquan was born 2009, December 4th, my one and only son. Uh, day born, the next day I had to leave, because that's my first time going, traveling out of Dominica to the music, to play on the cruise ship. But that's my, my life, that's what I live for. What was that like having to leave your son on the same day that he was born, and how soon after did you get to meet him again in person? Uh, it was really rough, it was really rough, you know, because you just see it holding me hands and the next day I had to leave. And I spoke to him six months after because I was working on Carnival Cruise Lines and the contracts are six months. So I was six months again to see him. But that must have been a nice feeling to see him after the six months. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, what do you do with him and what is your life like with your son? Well, to be honest, when my son lives with me, you know, um, the music takes a lot from me and I sacrifice a lot of my life traveling and trying to reach where I am in music right now. So I missed a lot of time with him, but the good part about it with music, you have a lot of free time to do what you want. So he's, he's, he comes in and out of the studio. I did something with him for the Christmas. 
sometimes with backup backup vocals on my songs for me, so we have a good relationship. That is excellent. Yeah. Um, in terms of life growing up, what part of Dominica are you from, and what was life growing up as a young boy? Okay, well, originally I'm from Newtown. Okay. I think I spent like, the first eight years of my life in Newtown. Uh, Newtown, at that time it was different. It was mostly me and my mom, but my dad was always studying. And then my mom, and then my, and my, uh, my auntie, Philo, a woman of color, Philo. She was telling me first in Newtown. So then I went to preschool, primary school, I went to Ginger, preschool in um, Newtown, across the Catholic Church. Then from there I went to SMP. When my father came back, we built a house in Jodel and we moved to Jodel after that. I know there was a Jodel connection. Yeah. Okay. But generally though, what did you do as a child? What did you do to have fun? You know, how did you enjoy yourself? Okay, well, in Newton was different. So in Newton, we can play marble ball, go and go by the bay, play light ball, hide and seek. Um, what does it have? It was a lot of video games together. Was Super Nintendo, all of us to come together and play video games and watch movies and basically kind of like run cowards, they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Run cowards, I like that. Um, so growing up for you was fun. Yeah, it, was it fun. sounds like it was fun. What about education? Okay, how, how far did I reach in education? Yes. Okay, well, um, after I went to SMP, SMA, mm -hmm. and from there I went to college for a while, but I I was doing good academically, but my passion was always music. Mm -hmm. And like my parents were just telling me like regional music is a hobby. You have to get a real job, like a architect, whatever, this and that. But I was hearing it. Mm -hmm. Like music was my thing and mm -hmm. I decided that's where I was gonna head to. That's where you so how long did you stay? In, in college? Yes. That's what about you? Then I dropped out. About a year and you yeah. dropped out. But I'm sure during the course of this interview probably we learn whether they were right or whether they were wrong yeah. in terms of music just being a hobby and, and whether or not you could actually earn a living from that. But we'll get to that um, a little later on on the program. Tell me about your days at SME. What, 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 were, the, what were those like? SME, for the first part, my dad was teaching SME at the time. So basically... You had um, to be here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, SME was good, you know, I can't say nothing bad about SMA. It's a good school. I had brothers, I had good friends. And then from food form, that's when things were a little more difficult because I was in sciences. But um, I had some good high school days, I can't mm -hmm. complain. You learned. Yeah, you learned a little something. Yeah, I learned something. You yeah. learned a little something. Bundle, bundle. Yeah! Win big with flow. iPads, smartphones, vacations, breakfast fed tickets, data, and over $15,000 in cash. Activate a 3, 7, or 30 day prepaid combo plan. Pay up your bill. Switch to flow. Bundle up for your chance to win every day. Bundle, bundle. Yeah. Bundle, bundle. Bundle, 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 save. Tap up, tap up. Yeah. Tap up, tap up. Man. Bundle now and get a smartphone for free. Switch now.
So um, for those who may just be joining us, um, uh, viewing this interview, we're actually speaking to Coleridge Bell, um, AKA Cross the Bridge Ridge. I hope that I got that um, right. And we're in the segment where we're just getting to know um, our guests a little more. I know many people know this young man in terms of music, but I always believe that there are opportunities or these interviews present opportunities to get to know more about um, about you know the, the guest in particular. Um, in terms of education, reach, do you intend on pursuing any further studies, and in what field? If yes, well, if, if I ever do anything, it will basically be around music and video production. Mm -hmm. Because besides the music part, I also do video production as well. Okay, all right. Yeah. And I'm sure you would do excellent at that um, if you decide to do so. I know probably the field that you want to get in might be a situation where you have to physically go somewhere yeah. um, to do it, but I suspect sometimes that's the sacrifices that we have to make. So I hope that one day I will hear that reaches off you know, to do some further studies in the field of music and video production uh, in particular. So um, in terms of, of leaving school, did you go straight into music or did you, did you seek employment? Well, after high school, my first job I had was as an electrical with an uncle of mine called Edward Bowers. And that's my uncle. Um, we were doing a job down in Pitti Coulibry. They were building some, that five star, what is it? I think that Coulibry Ridge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were working at. Yeah. I think you're living somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Coulibry Ridge, we were up there. And from there, I dabbled into construction. I did some work with um, Josephine Gabriel and Company. And I think it was, I was doing music on the side as well. My first band was a band in Jodel. Uh, we didn't really have a name yet. <laughs> but yeah, we had a band in Jodel. It was me, Carlin XP was there with me, like called Dilo and Reese. And from there, the band kind of broke off. And I started a band in Eggleston. And I think the main band was Dark Side at the time. And then from that, I went to Cross Vibes. So a little while I was working as in the music on the side, just trying to get the feel of the whole vibes. Oh, so you used to be a part of Cross Vibes? Yeah, it's been part yes. of Cross Vibes. Okay, yeah. I do remember Cross Vibes. Mm -hmm. so, so let us talk about um, the music. Mm -hmm. What is the passion where music is concerned that all along you felt that is what you wanted to do to the point where, you know, the parents said, <coughs> This is just a something hobby. on the side, a hobby. Tell me what about the music that got you hooked? Well, I think it all started when I was, I was in second form and my dad brought me a keyboard. And from there, that just like sparked my interest. I didn't know how to do anything, but I would just go on the keyboard and start playing, figuring out the notes. And then they brought me to um, Mrs. Later. I started playing classical music at first. Imagine you know, that. <laughs> yeah. Classical music, I reached up to grade two. And then from there, I, I thought like I had a basic concept of the music. So I started going to more of a culture, into the reggae, or stuff like that. The keyboard, was it a request from you, or was it because they figured you had some level of interest in music? Well, I think my father see a keyboard and buy it for me. That was it? And that was it, just buy it off, off, like on a, on a whim. You see, see a keyboard, he said, buy a keyboard for it. 
that was a new request to tell. I wasn't expecting anything, but no. Okay. What about when you were then sent to um, Mrs. Leitang? Was that the intention of your parents to get you to learn that type, that style of music? Well, I think they just wanted me to have some extracurricular activities because I just spent a lot of time playing video games. Mm -hmm. And they wanted me to have something else besides that. So I think they were trying to get me to do something different. Okay. So the, the music started there. Um, you went to music school. You picked up on, you know, your classical beats. Then you decided to divert into more um, into more local. Mm -hmm. um, what was the attraction of the local or the reggae and so on to you to get you to move from where you, you started? Well, it first started off, the first person to my first song, apart from classical music, was DJ Snow, Sadik. Yeah, he used to play keyboard in the church. And he teach me how to play Bob Marley. I think it's theater. And he taught me how to play the bass with the left hand and play the chords in the right hand. And from the, there was this band called Mordifi Band. I remember Mordifi. Yeah, Mordifi. The, the, the lead singer was from Jodel. And he used to come and show me the chords on how to go. Play Zook and stuff like that. But after that, he died. He killed him, I think. He was killed him. Mass up? Yeah, he was stabbed. But I built a relationship with the band at the time, Ali Roll and the other guys. So from there, I used to always go around the band house and watch them play. And I think that's where Cross I started practicing too, so that's how I got to get to know the members as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. In terms of the instrument itself, outside of what you did um, with, with Mrs. Leita, um, did you attempt to do any additional formal training in terms of playing the keyboard? And how did you, if not, how did you get to where you are in terms of the skills that you've developed? Well, for me, um, when I started playing classical music and listening to other genres of music, I started to hear music in my head. Like sometimes I would just hear a beat, but I never used to tell anybody anything, but I always hear music in my head, hear different notes, different things. So I started training mostly by ear. A lot of it was my own training, just listening to WCK, listening to Triple K, trying to replay the parts, and listening to other bands like Casa and stuff like that. So a lot of it was my own personal training by ear. So a lot of practice. Yeah, a lot of practice. A lot yeah. of practice, which is um, what has got you to where you are today. Yeah. So tell us, Rich, in terms of the music that you're involved in, mm -hmm. um, we've heard you do different things. Quite impressive in terms of, I remember hearing something around the independent season that you did. Um, you dabbled in Calypso. Um, so first of all, do you have a specific type of music that you play and focus on? Or is it that, you know, you, you just go with the seasons? Well, well not than a specific music. I have appreciation for all genres of music. Because when I was in St. Martin, I wasn't playing Booyah at all. It was mostly reggae, buyo, salsa, R&B, um, ska, sometimes a little bit jazz. So I have an appreciation for all music. And before I came to Dominica, I was playing different, different bands, reggae, salsa, R&B. So even if you've listened to my music now, with the buyo especially, it sounds different from everything from CK, from Shuti K. Reason being why I try to infuse different genres in my music. Mm -hmm. Each song has a different kind of vibe different kind of tones. So yeah, that's my little secret when it comes to me attacking my music. You hear the term, eh? Attacking his music. Um, so let us take it. When you first started singing itself, mm -hmm. right? Um, what was the first song you produced or you sang? 
Okay. Well, the first song I produced was Rhythm Tonight, aka Soft mm -mm, Tonight. <laughs> That's my first song. And that song wasn't really, I wasn't really trying to do anything because I think Hurricane, Maria, and Uma just hit, so Dominic was down, Sam Atmos down. So I had family in Guadeloupe. So when I went to Guadeloupe now, they like the Booyah vibes. So I went to really start back getting to the Booyah again. And then I was in a, a show, I think it was organized by Vado and DJ Joe. And they asked me to just go and play keyboard, play rhythm and play keyboard. So I was there playing keyboard and stuff. And then there was this woman, a French woman, and who like she come in my ears and me, which I want to stop whatever tonight. So anyways, I see you know what? When I went on the stage, I see she said and you know you say lyrics. Whatever tonight and that whole that song creative. So you were just being creative. You yeah, were just being spontaneous yeah. based on what the person came yeah, and, and whispered in your in your yeah, ear yes, several yeah. times. Yeah. So that was the first song. Yeah. What was the reaction of the crowd? Well, at first when I, I dropped it the first time, I was in Guadalupe. The place went crazy because what they like that kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. So I said, I don't think anything about it. So then um, I went back to St. Martin and then I see like DJs calling my phone, calling my phone. They reach out to come back next week and sing that song. I say, What song? The same song. Something we tonight. I say, But I had a song. Well, you have to record it. So I say, Okay, well, I go. It will take one more hour. I take my keyboard part. I sing on the mic and I send to a friend of mine's fridge. He was my drummer at the time to mix and master. He mixed and mastered it to me and I sent it to Guadeloupe. And yeah, that was it. Question. When you sang it in Guadeloupe, was it in English or Creole or French? No, it was English. English? Yeah, English. And they picked it up? Yeah, they, yeah trust me, they picked and, it up. And they ran with it? They ran with it, yeah. And that was that? That was that. Did that inspire you in any way that, hey, probably I can do this singing thing? Well, at first, I was more looking at like a, like a gimmick. I said, yeah, I'm not really no singer. I'm more a producer. But then it was Arturo told me to upload it to YouTube. I was like, Arturo, that's not really a song. I then uploaded it. He said, no, trust me, let's upload it. And when I uploaded it, Arturo told me, like, reach 10,000 views. I said, okay, cool. Then when you reach 50,000 views, I said, cool. Then you reach 100,000 views. I was like, what? Like, people are really into that vibe. So I said, let me try and do something else again. And that's when I made my second song, which was Don't Call My Phone. Don't Call My Phone. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I have to ask you about this, right? And, and we were talking about what some of the songs that you've produced. So you spoke about that very first song that you, you, you produced. So it was not your intention to use the lyrics that yeah. you, you used in that song. It was based on something that was whispered in your ear. Yes. You realize it caught on, yeah. right? Did that direct the path that you took in terms of your general lyrics um, for music? Well, yeah, that played a part because a lot of times people, it's not what you want. I realize that you have this, what the audience want. Mm -hmm. So like, whatever the people want, I'll give it to them. And people say all kinds of things like, oh, Rich, what kind of lyrics there? What kind of song you make there? But it have a niche, and that's what the people want. I just give them what they want, and I think I have enough thoughts, and I bold enough to say it as is, and I think that's what gravitated them towards me. So, so that's so that's that's it for you. So, a song like "I Want Drugs" is that mm -hmm. the name of yeah, the song? Yeah, I want drugs. Yeah. Okay, tell me why you produced a song like that, okay. and um, 
the reaction to it i guess to probably a certain member members of society mm -hmm. it's okay they love it yeah. and then there's another group of people who are saying you know uh, that's just poor lyrics mm -hmm. you know um that's having a negative impact on the young mm -hmm. people and so on help me understand okay well this song i want drugs now mm -hmm. basically came at a time like i think i almost got in a stroke because i found out i had high blood pressure oh. i didn't know so i went to the doctor me after start going on um, pressure pills. Mm. I was like, what? So anyways, I went to the Victor Emmanuel, you shouldn't give me a, a certain um, variety of drugs and whatever. And I realized, no, well, I'll be taking drugs for the rest of my life. Yeah, so I went to Dr. Victor Emmanuel and he told me that we had to find a, a balance of drugs that would help keep my pressure down. Mm. So then I started to make research on drugs and I realized like the pharmaceutical companies make a lot of money out of drugs and everybody taking drugs. Whether it's for depression, for pressure, for whatever it is you're suffering from. So then I said, I make a song, I want drugs. So now, most people, when I said, said it the first time, my mom was like, oh, people can't say about drugs. I said, no, mm -hmm. drugs don't always mean it's crack, cocaine, weed, rum. Everybody taking drugs, whether it's weed, rum, white, um, pressure pills, pharmaceuticals, everybody taking something to make them feel better. And if it was making them feel better, they wouldn't be taking it. So I said, no, let's make a song, I want drugs to keep me cool. I want you to keep me cool, baby. Cool, father, yeah. And that is interesting to hear yeah. because, again, there would be the perception out there, and I'm going to help you with yeah. this, that um, you're talking about taking narcotics mm -hmm. and other types of drugs. Yeah. But the story behind it is that you were ill. Yeah. And then you were prescribed drugs yeah. to take by your doctor. And then that became a song. Yeah. And people, again, uh, started to relate to it. What I suspect may have happened, Rage, is that some people took it <laughs> in the wrong context. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I think I'm happy for that explanation in terms of um, that particular song. And even with the very first one as well, you know, in terms of, I'm not trying to be a defender there mm -hmm. of Rage and the type of music that he produces. But sitting here having the conversation with you, it helps to clarify yeah. um, some of the some of the, um, the, the the lyrics that you use in terms of music. So outside of I Want Drugs and the, the very first one, have you made similar type songs? Have you produced similar type songs with similar type lyrics that people may look down upon? Oh well, yeah. There's maybe like two other songs. Yeah, four songs of mine that people really find was the. They had a, like a stigma towards it. Mm -hmm. Was I want drugs? Mm -hmm. Was suck whatever tonight? Mm -hmm. There's one. Um, I can say come on in life now. Yes, I can say it. Can I say anything? Yeah. Okay, so come on. Then it is food one. Come on. Um, was the fourth one? And the last one was the one that um, I made. I produced for Suki. For Suki. Yeah. Okay. It's gripping, gripping, gripping. Okay. You know that song, no? No. You never heard that song? Mm -mm, I'm not sure. Really, I love it when you book your muscle. Oh, well, yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> um, but but the, what is the general reaction reach to these types of songs? Okay, you know what? Like, people like to say, like, reach, why do you focus on making all that type of songs? Mm -hmm. But the ratio from, let's say, good lyrics to bad lyrics, it's like three to one. Okay. When I release a, a wild song, mm -hmm. I release some good song. Like, there was a song I had, was, um, I wanted to love my music, 
there's a song I made for my ex-girlfriend, Baby, I Love You, Don't Go. Yeah, man, I'm quoting a little GP. And the next song, Quoting Your Trans, and all these nice songs. But you realize now, when you watch reviews and the streams, people always tend to go to the wilder songs. Mm-hmm. Like I say, for something tonight, mm-hmm. the Dirty Version has about a quarter million views. Mm-hmm. And then Clean Version, which is She Won the Riches Tonight, has 10,000 views. So that goes to show that people gravitate more towards the mm-hmm. wild side. Mm-hmm. And then the, the music is a business. Mm-hmm. So if you have something that's selling, you cannot, like I say, have a rum shop. You cannot say, oh, I put it in my rum shop and we sell a soft drink. What's going to happen? You're going to fall. And there's a business you have to watch and see what people want. That's what people want. That's what I give them. I try and be looking socially responsible. I'm going to look and kill, go and steal. Because I'm not talking about, about stealing. Right. I'm not talking about killing. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about real things happening in life. Okay, and I'm happy to hear that, Rich, because um, especially today, um, we're seeing, and we'll talk about your friend, mm-hmm. you know, um, a little later on in the interview, but we're seeing things like violence and stealing and, you know, what, what the impact these are having on society. And so I would be, um, I would definitely commend you if you stay away from producing music that leads people to yeah. do those kinds of things because clearly they listen. Yeah. There's an audience that listens. You, you speak about the number of views and so on that you have on social. It definitely says what works and what does not work. But outside of that, so we, we focused a bit on, on the songs that um, some people see as having a negative impact on society. But you've made, you made this beautiful, I, I don't know if it, if it was lyrical or not, whatever it was, but during independence, mm. all I know is I heard this rhythm and I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that. Well, well what happened is, um, it was Tilly, Tilly is my manager, Tilly Thomas, and this guy, Frosty. And he might reduce to do something for the independent season. So I was like, okay, I'll think of something. And then you see people like things that are different and unique. And I always try to be out of the box. So now, I remember the time I was playing for this group called um, Bracket. It was an African group in St. Martin. And I sometimes they would come and chant, but not really even know lyrics, just chanting, give you a melody and you vibes it. And also being from Julia, and the Jinping group. Sometimes they will play Jinping and when they sing it, they're not really singing lyrics, they're just giving a harmony. So I sound something that. Sometimes saying words without saying yeah, words. Yeah, you know, so something <laughs> similar, nice melody. So now, what I wanted now, I wanted to give people something that everybody could relate to. Because a lot of people in Dominica, they can't really speak Creole and understand Patois. I mean, how some that can speak it, but the majority of the young generation community don't understand it. Mm-hmm. So I say, I want to give them something they can understand. Give me the Lamoui. And they have a song, everyone know what that means. Mm-hmm. And then let's give them something they could just chant. Mm-hmm. So that was the whole concept behind it. And then eventually I was going to turn it to a full song. Okay. So yeah, that was the whole concept to give Did people. Did you turn to... it into the full song? Well, I was going to turn it into the full song, but then after that I realized certain people wanted to take this song for themselves. So I decided to like, shut down the project. Oh, I see. And I say, like, for the upcoming independent season, then I'll give people the full, full buyers. But what I like to do with my music. That's why I started something called Read Your Friday. Every Friday, I would do something different. Just come in and create something out of my head. I like to experiment on social media and see what people like. So I see what people like that kind of vibes, then that can make a full song. I see not really feeling it too much. I see, oh, let's scratch that, go to something else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the general reaction to that um, 
creolized, culturalized one mm. that you did around the independence season. Why was What was yeah. it called, by the way? Oh, uh, that was Jinping. There was this one with Jinping. Just Jinping? The Jinping Radium, man. Jinping Radium, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there was a green, green Jinping Radium. Okay. So yeah. I liked it. So what mm. was the general feedback like? No, every, every, everybody liked it. Some people are say, what kind of song is that? But when they start listening over and over, they catch on them and start to sing it. Yeah, I got a lot of love for that. A lot of people reached out and showed me, like, reaching over there, like that kind of vibes. And my my thing is always trying to show evolution. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to give you the Jinping, keep the culture, but still going for modern mm-hmm. type of vibes. Mm-hmm. And, and that was excellent. I think, um, you know, everybody could, could, could appreciate that one you did for the independent season. Let's talk about Buyo. Mm-hmm. Um, let's transition into Buyo. What is your understanding of what um, Buyo music is? Well, to me, Buyo, my understanding is Buyo is something. Let me say that properly. Yeah, Buyo to me is a groove of um, of Dominica, and a lot of people have to say, "What does make Buyo Buyo?" And I watch other bands and play, but you have to be from Dominica to understand what Buyo is, because I already see Casa. All different types of band come and try and play Buyo, and it just doesn't sound like Buyo. So my understanding Buyo is sitting like a, a groove, a heartbeat of our culture, transfused with a little bit of um, what it was, Cardas, makes a little bit of Calypso. Mm-hmm. And I think Buyo is something that there's not one um, word to describe it, mm-hmm. because we listen to Triple K, they play Buyo songs different from what WCK. Rory had something separate, first series had something way different, MFR had something way different, so you can't really define who Boyo is that. I think so, Dominic, so you don't think it's a specific sound? Do you think that each person gives it their own spices? And yeah, I, I wouldn't say that it's a specific song, but it's a specific groove. It's a specific. Yeah, certain bones. Yeah, that's what gives Boyo a drive. They drive for the Boyo. Mm-hmm. Once a song has that kind of drive, then I think I'll call it a Boyo. Do you produce Boyo music? Yeah. Sure. In my last album, my Eric was a live boyo album, Strictly Boyo. Strictly Boyo. Um, do, you, do you think that um, you are producing the, a different style of boyo, a modern style of boyo? What is your take on what you produce? Well, I think my boyo is different, especially when it comes to the music. And that was my goal, to make sure that the music is mature behind it. Because that last album I released, the live album, it took me about 13 months to put that album together. I had a bassman from England, a guitarist from Australia, a keyboardist from Texas, oh. a drummer from St. Martin, and then me. And so I had the backups to put it together, to put the musical arrangements together. So no matter what you can say about my lyrics, when it comes to the music, it is very much here. And I can tell you straight off, like, there's no band or no one has ex- executed the Buyo musically on that level up to this day. So how did that work out with these musicians? all over the world. Okay, what happened is, well, I started the draft, we had a group chat, and I tell you guys, what do you think about this? And it's okay, we can add this in, whatever in. And if you listen to the live album, there's some gospel in there, there's some country western in there, there's some rap in it. So yeah, so we had a, we created a group chat, and what I was saying, my ideas of the songs I had in mind. And we didn't have the lyrics yet, we were just working on the music to make sure the music was there. And over the months, you know, we had change, add a little bit of gospel, a little bit of R&B, a little bit of country western, a little bit of salsa, a little bit of rap. So we're just trying to infuse everything into one and make a booyah song and make it be a seamless transition. Because if you listen to the album from start to finish, it never stops. It's just like from one to the next to the next to the next. 
and I think we executed well. Uh, we had a deep appreciation for the music, especially in the Europe, European countries and American countries. And where can one find that album too? Well, if, if you know, you can find it on YouTube, have an you know, Apple Music, all the platforms, Amazon, um, what else is there? Deezer, um, Spotify, yeah, it's, it's online. Mm -hmm. and, and we will talk uh, in a while about the music and your livelihood, but let's talk about um, Calypso. Mm -hmm. So um, this year I heard this guy entering the Calypso arena, but upon investigation I was told it was not your first year. Mm -hmm. Was well, that your first year? Well, that was my first year officially. That was your first entering. year officially entering? entering yeah. Okay. Um, but I was told you did something the year before, no? What happened is that wasn't... I wasn't trying to be in Calypso. What happened last time? I wasn't trying to be in Calypso. <laughs> yeah, this is the first time I released a song, I Don't Mind. If I see a pretty girl... I Don't Mind. It's a song that's made. It's a Richard mm -hmm. Friday song. Mm -hmm. And then Tilia sent me like, we it for the Calypso. But I didn't really make that song mm -hmm. for Calypso. That was for me, mm -hmm. me in my studio. But you guys liked it so much, you wanted it to be... But I didn't really send it in. Whoever sent it in, that wasn't me saying I to be in Calypso. Okay, so yeah. that wasn't a Calypso, so I understand. Yeah. So, but this year, yeah. for 2022, you sent in a song. Yes, I sent the song. Um, is, is, was it called Mr. Pooh? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, Mr. Pooh, somebody says Pussy, everything. Uh, where was it, Mr. Pooh? I don't know. What did you um, enter it in the competition <laughs> as Mr. Ridge? <laughs> Was it Mr. Pooh? No, it was Mr. Pooh. I mean, it was Pooh. C. C. Yeah. As in P O O H. Yeah. Maybe a hyphen yeah, and S E E. Yeah. I think Poo it was C. something like that. Yeah, Pooh C. Right. Yeah. So you entered Calypso with that song. Mm -hmm. What was the thinking behind entering the Calypso competition one? Mm -hmm. And what was the thinking? Give me the reasoning behind Mr. Pooh or Pooh C, whatever mm -hmm. the case is. Well, the reason for entering the Calypso competition was just to show my versatility. Mm -hmm. That I said, if I do something for the independence, I should do something for the Calypso season. Okay. And then the idea came from my uncle in St. Martin, Edward Bowers. He was telling me, for the longest while, how much is now? He told me, have a song we think we can do. But I'm a blind man named Pooh who couldn't see. <laughs> but then a miracle happened and Pooh could see everything. So that was the idea behind us, went on that idea. It was me and it was me and Jolly. Yeah, we spent about the day in the studio writing this song, putting it together, and that's what they came up with. And that was it. Yeah. And then you came and you sang the song mm -hmm. again. Different reactions yeah. to your calypso. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you were not surprised. No, I was surprised. Eh? Uh, people say I'm a controversial artist, and yes. might be true. But I realized that sometimes the controversy sells and you reach and get people's attention, you have to mm -hmm. come with something different. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the song was simply about a blind man yeah. who could not see, yes. and then a miracle happened. Mm -hmm. His name was Mr. Pooh, yeah. and he could see. Yes. Simple as that. Simple as that. And you brought your song to the Calypso Arena, mm -hmm. and you made it to quarterfinals. Yeah. And you didn't go beyond that. Were you disappointed? Uh, really, really, actually, my... My goal was, we had quarters away, but straight semis. I think yeah. semis and semis. You went to? Yeah, yeah, semis, yeah. You went semis. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. No, didn't have didn't have yes, quarters, yes. yeah. I have all people who visit the yeah. Calypso should remember that. Yeah, <laughs> so we went to the semis, and I know that my song different from the Calypso vibes, and I wasn't really trying to be in the competition. I just came up to entertain my fans and show them a different side of mm -hmm. it. You enjoyed doing that? Yeah, I enjoyed doing that, yeah. 
Will they see more of you where Calypso is concerned? Nah, I'm not sure, but maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. So I, I, I think probably you should try again. Um, give it another shot. Probably start thinking about your song. And whereas you may want to do a song with some level of masking, you can still do that. But let's probably be a little bit more. <laughs> A little more, um, how would I say it? Within less the, smart, yes, yes, because you, you are you're not bad in terms mm -hmm. of the singing, yeah. So, um, you know, I think you, I, I would like to encourage you then, mm. let me put it that way, to come come forward again next year, yeah. Whether you choose to be controversial or not, it is up to you. Yeah. Whatever direction you decide to take, but don't just give it up um, this time around. Think about it, okay? Yeah, think about it. think about it. Um, what What other type of music do you produce? Well, basically, I produce every type of music you can mm -hmm. think of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, when you're training classical music, it makes it easier to grasp different genres of music. Mm -hmm. So, if you want to go school, because that's what I plan on doing too. Listen to gospel album, I don't know, but a gospel album yeah. is in the future. Yeah, in the future. Um, in terms of uh, producing, though, is there another album in the works, and what type of album will that be? Well, yeah, actually, I have two albums. I have a slow, groovy album, and next Boya album. Okay. Uh, timelines. Well, the Boya album is done. The groovy mm -hmm. ones, I'm working on it, but I think it is maybe waiting for the right time, the right feel. Mm -hmm. to see when is the best time to drop it. To release it. Yeah. Okay. So you don't have a date in your mind as yet? No, no date in mind as Okay. Rich, let's talk about the producing, the music. I come to the studio and I see a really nice, well put together studio. Is this your job? Is this your business? Yeah, that's my life with everything is music. Like here we have a 9 to 5. Uh, that's my 9 to 5 music. That's your 9 to 5? Yeah, music. Uh, is it a label? Do you have a label? How do you market this? Okay, well, the studio in the Miss Cross the Bridge studio, mm -hmm. and in terms of label, we sign under Mossy Wall. Mossy Wall. Yeah. Okay. Um, are you part of Mossy Wall, or there's the studio and then there's Mossy Wall, okay, but well, you work together? Well, we, yeah, there's, there's a studio, there's Mossy Wall. Um, I have a partnership with Mossy Wall, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, everybody Mossy Wall is at Robert, mm -hmm. but we have a strong partnership. And you've produced some work together already. Yeah, I produced some work together. Yes. Well, yeah. In terms of artists, um, do you have artists under your umbrella? Yeah, well, actually, that was our original goal was to spread the love in the music and to give anybody a chance, no matter what character. So, if you watch some of my videos, it's different people from the streets, so there's random people that give them a chance to come in the studio because you never know where inspiration might come from and who has what type of talent. So that was our goal to like search for the artists, give them a platform where they can record, make money from the music, and eventually go on tour to make money from from the art. And you've been able to do that for a few people. Yeah, I've been able to do that for a few people. Yes. In terms of a livelihood, you said that's your livelihood. Do you make money for the, from this, and how? Okay, well, the three different ways people normally with money from music. Mm -hmm. The first one is the online distribution. So like the reason why I keep a steady presence on social media is because things like Facebook, mm -hmm. Instagram, TikTok actually pay money. Okay. So the more views you have or the more you can use your music with the different products is the more you make. So I would say that just from the online distribution, 
like I can survive off that on a monthly mm-hmm. basis. Yeah, monthly basis. But it, it's kind of for everybody. Reason being why you have a certain level of popularity, mm-hmm. and not everybody have that charisma that I have mm-hmm. to make money from the music. And then the second thing, the life. Before you continue, did you did you have an early understanding of the opportunities that were available you through this through these platforms? Well, yeah, for sure. Um, before I decided to go into the music. I always studied the different ways to make money from music business because I realized in Dominica especially that no one really had a full understanding of how to make money. You know, all I had was just a live performance that was it. Mm-hmm. Even now, up to this, this, this day, there's a lot of people that don't have their songs copyrighted or have it online for distribution and they have all the people making money from them and they don't even know the people making money from mm-hmm. their music. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I studied the business fully before I came into doing my own thing. Okay. Alright, so we were talking about the ways. That yeah, so the ways. And the second way you make money from music is the live performances, which I think is the most, the most you make from it, the live performances. And then the third is that the streaming, you know, streaming on Amazon, iTunes, Spotify, stuff like that. Do you record for other people? Is your studio available to record if somebody wants to come to record something? So let's say, for example, I want to do an ad. Mm-hmm. Can I come and call you and say, Reg, I would like to produce an ad. Can I come to your studio to do it? Well, also we have a uh, anyone else. We want we not um, open to everybody. Mm-hmm. We try and like, try and focus on quality. Mm-hmm. And let's say for art, like this, you can uh, yes, of, for mm-hmm. sure. Somebody else, I might tell them no, I don't have time mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. record mm-hmm. because I realized when I started doing the music as a business, I realized it took so much from me that I won't have time to do or to give people quality work. And I person, if I can give you something of quality, I'm telling you, no, pass mm-hmm. it on to someone else. Mm-hmm. So our goal is just to push our artists and our partners that we work with. And we try to keep it small, keep the quality top notch, and eventually grow and maybe we can outsource work to different people. What's the plan there, Rich, in terms of the future of the music, of the entertainment, of the the artists under your umbrella? What's the plan? Well, the plan was to give finally give Dominica industry for musicians. Because right now, you have to be honest, let's say there's this artist from wherever that wants to do music full-time. Who can they go to to start and to grow and start making money? It's basically not really in place. There's certain place you can, you can check, maybe for the advice, whatever, to really start it and making money. So our plan was first give people a chance to record the music, get it mixed and mastered professionally up to the industry standard, have them with the marketing because that's very important. A lot of people have their music and I think that's it when they have to have a good marketing plan. Fourth thing, have them with their press releases and stuff like that. And the fifth, to finally give them a route mm-hmm. because a lot of people try and really route to themselves and be greedy with it. But to me, that's the wrong concept. So let's say I'm an artist, I, I play in Guadalupe, I play Martinique, I play St. Martin and Guila, those four places. All the musicians which I and say, oh, that's their route, they're not sharing with anybody. But you really think about it, if I play Matnik this weekend, I can't play there next weekend again. So why can't I make the next man go for that same route and make some money? And if he has connections, I will let's say he has a connection in Jamaica and Haiti, I can tell him, okay, well, no, I give you Matnik and Martin, I want to play Jamaica, Haiti, give me the connection. And just try and get a route that musicians can go through to make money and travel and really take the music to the next level. So you, you're talking here about an unselfish, unselfish approach yeah. and an approach where you want to help others. Yeah. So somebody comes, they don't have money. Mm-hmm. 
would you still take on that person? And how would you now get your returns? Well, to be honest with you, since I own my studio, I never charge not one person a dollar to record. Really? Yeah. I, what I look for, I work, look to see who have the talent mm -hmm. and who I feel that can have potential to reach somewhere. And I take them under my way and mm -hmm. I have them grow. And we, I, we make money together. I see. Yeah. I, I understand. Yes. I definitely understand that. And talking about mon making money together, um, tell us about the performances, um, the opportunities for performances. We know we just came from COVID, mm -hmm. so there was very little of that. So tell us about the entertainment, the performing um, element of it. And by the way, you do a good job with your marketing. All right, thank yes. you. Um, what is the like, like? Like opportunities to perform, okay. and what is generally a, a set like for Ridge and his team? Okay, well, right. in Dominica, since COVID um, stopped, um, what I realized is getting some good venues is a big problem sometimes. Especially the large problem that we have, we always need a venue that can hold at least four to 500 people up. But so far, it has been going good. You know, we do a couple shows, and it's been going good, and we plan on doing a Dominica tour over the summer. Hopefully, we'll get some sponsors on board. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm outside too. A lot of them keep on calling St. Vincent, St. Martin, Guadeloupe, France. England, like a lot of people calling for to get what we have bringing to the table. So when people say, oh, that can go out there, I don't really worry about them because I know what's happening in the, in the background, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I find so far it's been going good. So far it's been going good. You mentioned your following. Tell me what you're following. Who's your following? And um, how big is the following? Well, I think the following, I was surprised because I didn't realize most of my performances, we have a video team following us. And, I started trying to watch to see who's the usual suspect. But a lot of the time, there's always a different crowd, especially if you're in a different zone. Let's see, Roseau has a certain zone. Portsmouth has a different set of people. San Suve has a different set. Grand B, Scott set. And they range from young to old. So I guess we can hit them. What's the attraction? What's the attraction? Well, I think the what attraction. What appeals to them? I think there's something different. And when I come to an event, I try and give that high energy performance. And I don't judge, you know, some people have that kind of copper voice or thing. I'm, I'm a humble guy. You know, I'm not more than nobody, nobody not more than me. We form, we vibes, we talk, we take a picture, whether it's young, old, fat, small, slim, uh, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Dominica just has to be ready for more of Reach, Cross the Bridge and his team members yeah for sure and the world by extension mm -hmm. the caribbean the world by extension i suspect in due time we'll be hearing about um european tours maybe u.s tours and so on yeah for sure, and that would be that would be exciting um as we're winding down rich i i want to talk about um a, a member of your team um jolly mm -hmm. who was recently gone down yeah. Um, I'm not sure how much you can tell me mm -hmm. as to um, what happened, um, but you know, at least give us a sense of, of what you do and what you can tell. Tell us what type of artist he was um, on your team and your relationship. Okay, well, Jolly. By the way, my condolences. Thank you. Jolly, um, I know Jolly since from SMP, yeah, SMA's primary. And SMA as well. He was in the business housing sciences. 
I mean, I always knew him, not personally at that time, but we always knew each other, say hi, hello. And then we got close when I came back down to Dominica doing the whole music vibes. Because I remember before, during my high school years, they had a group called Nessie Crew and they were doing music and stuff like that, along with Dada. Uh, what I can say over Jolly, for sure, he was like a brother to me. Nothing was ever too hard for him to do for me. Uh, yeah, people still start start of, of stuff about him, but any day, he's like your brother, he's your brother, your mother, your mother, no matter what it is. And he had my back 100%. And what I know is that he was going down in Baffer State, um, somewhere where he's normally frequent. Um, yeah, they shot him. I think it was something organized. I don't know what happened. What is the reason why? Because I, when I was with him, was more on the music part. Right. Yeah, and that's why I really trying to push the music part mm-hmm. and put people in a different direction. But yeah, that's, that's a sad, that's a sad, sad situation. Mm-hmm. And I feel a big part of what him lost now. Mm-hmm. Um, where were you when you heard the news? Well, when I heard the news, I was sleeping. I was up by my girlfriend up in bed, be sleeping at the time. And then someone commented me like, we should go and check Jolly, Jolly, not well. So I think I will be sick. Or something else, I said, like, where are you? They say, yeah, the ambulance come for him. Mm-hmm. And then on the way driving down, he see his father called me. And he started me like, yeah, they should Jolly. I said, what? He said, yeah. So I think I'm on my way down, I can see what happened. And then there was a friend of mine, and this, she was texting me, and he reached Jolly, he's in the hospital. He's not looking too good. I said, he's still alive? She said, yes. So I went to the hospital and then like just before I reached, she called me, she messaged me to me, he's gone. Mm. And I just feel like my heart just dropped. Yeah. What do you remember most or best about your friend? Well, last thing I remember telling him, I said like I proud of him, you know. He's like, but for what? I think like, yeah, you're pushing the music vibes and helping the right? because he was also a chef as well. So we do the events, he would handle the food and all the mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, and yeah, he like, nothing's ever asked for Jolly to do. You know, the Jolly I knew was just a fun going, positive guy, and always willing to push. So yeah, and he was just, the same day he died, we had just finished his album. Dad had just finished Lix and Master the whole album. Mm-hmm. But that was up, and this month, and we was going to do a big. Album really sparked me for his album. So, what's the plans now? Well, seeing that he's passed now, I think let's make wait until the funeral over mm-hmm. and maybe replan something later on in the year okay. to commemorate. But you'll still release it? Yeah, I'll still release it. Yeah. still release it. Yeah. Okay. And he'll he want it to release and his family too as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, let's talk about the future for, for Fame. What does the future look like? Well, so far, my plan is eventually to be someone like, I don't even know, Dr. Dre. Let's be a producer and let's have an industry going. That can just push artists through a certain medium, have them to record, go on holding on the craft, whether it's Guya or Gospel, Soka, Zook. And let's have them make money and bring Dominica to a higher level. That's really my goal. Mm-hmm. Let's bring the music industry to where it's supposed to be because those before us didn't really leave nothing much for us younger musicians to really follow through or make money from. I mean, like with Trinidad and Jamaica, I've been to those places, and like when they see like an artist coming up and it's really hot, they have a whole route to send him through because they have so much artists that have gone through the same process. 
But we don't make it, we don't have nothing for a young artist to go through, a process to go through, to hone their skills, get better, and start making money. Because there's different levels of entertainment and venues. So sometimes, this, when I just started playing music in Dominica, the venues were smaller venues, you can hold like 100 people, stuff like that. Right now, I cannot even think of going there because it'd be way overcrowded. But the other artists that are coming up, I can push them pretty the same route, you know. They can build a fan base, get to go in on their live performance and stuff like that. So I really my goal is to just set up a music industry, spread out my wings, get other people involved, because I know I cannot do it on my own. Everything is a team. Mm-hmm. And so far, I have a strong core foundation, me, Arturo Bellot, TD, and Frosty. And it's from there, just really trying to make it building the empire, I would say. Looking for any support from, let's say, government, the cultural division and so? Well... What would you like if, you know, you were to say something to them now? Well, it's mm-hmm. really actually... I'm the person I, I like to look for handouts. Because everything I did, I don't like when I never once go and look out. And to me, people would more come and invest in something this is already running, already making a profit. So my goal is to show everybody that hey, the music can make money. Mm-hmm. Here's what I've been making from it. And if you want to take to the next level, then your support is appreciated, but not really needed. Any message for those out there um, who probably have a misunderstanding mm-hmm. of who you are and the music that you produce? Well, I'm the, just a humble guy that have my bills to pay and my child support. I'm a father first. Uh, entertainer after and um, anybody trying to do music you have to understand it's not easy road and just like how if you work in my flow uh, uh, you my flow ask the fans <laughs> and all that name you work in my flow yeah <laughs> if you work in my flow ask the fans or for the police it's a nine to five and you have to attack the music like it's a nine to five you have to put in the work and most of the time you put in the effort and you put in the work most likely you might not reach Rihanna level or whatever, but you'll be successful enough to make a living of the music. Mm-hmm. Because there are a lot of gigs, and apart from Booyah, when I was doing my gigs um, in St. Martin, when you were different reggae bands, there was like some steady gigs where you get like maybe 400 for your night, 500 for your night, or 1,000 euro for your night. There's gigs like that around that you can, you know, do to make a living from music. So just doing your work, do your homework, study the industry. Watch the type of music you're playing and the niche you're targeting and push forward. Tough times never last, but tough people do. Do you consider yourself to be a tough person? Yeah, for sure. I see the harder the battle, the sweeter the victory. So that's pushing forward mm-hmm. and doing what I have to do. Have you um, overcome some challenges um, over the years that probably led you to, to, to have that mantra? Yeah, a lot of challenges, and to be honest, that, that pillow was from someone very special, close mm-hmm. to my hand, that printed that pillow for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, Rich, thank you so much um, for agreeing and taking the time to have this conversation um, with, with me um, for my In the Spotlight TV um, series. I, I think even for me, I have gotten a better understanding of you as a person, as an individual, even outside of um, the music and the lyrics and its content. I think you have a good heart and I think you have good intentions, especially with helping other musicians who are not able to help themselves. 
And I do hope that you continue with that posture, that you continue to assist those who need assistance. Um, if they decide that's what they want to do, that is what they want to do. And um, if you can open that door of that studio and welcome them in and assist them, not only with the production, with the marketing, getting opportunities to perform, I think your business is only going to flourish more. Thank you again, and um, I wish you well. Well, thanks for that, and I appreciate you and JK coming through in the spotlight. That's it, yes. right? In the spotlight, proceed with it. Oh. <laughs>